0: Have as much energy as John Hogue, who you normally introduce this show. So this is what you get. I am here with my friend Brian Harr. What's going on, Brian? What's up, Stompy? How are you tonight? You know, I'm I'm pretty excited because this is the first time that you and I are podcasting alone. We've always had chaperones, and now the children get to run the uh, the school, I suppose.
1: Yeah, yeah, I'm uh, I'm really looking forward to this too. I think this should be a really uh, a really fun time for us, and hopefully uh, a, a really good listen for the listeners.
0: Yeah, so uh, we will be talking about uh, start sits for the AFC this week or today. Uh, tomorrow, you will get the start sits for the NFC. With and I don't even know who's hosting that. So, but. Tune into that. Subscribe to the Superflex Super Show uh, podcast feed, and you will get five podcasts a week. That's awesome. God, that's a lot of podcasting, man. A lot of good info.
1: Yeah, for sure, for sure. It's been uh, it's been a fun first week here for us. I know, and hopefully the listeners are listeners are enjoying the content that we're putting out. Um, always appreciate feedback on that too. So, uh, if you're out there listening to us and you have a suggestion or idea or, or whatever, we'd love to hear it. Uh, but it sure is exciting. I know that.
0: Right. So, yeah, I mean, if you uh, want to give Brian or me feedback or uh, give the show feedback, you can find me at FF Stompy. You can find Brian Har at Brian Har FF on Twitter. You can find Superflex Super Show at Superflex Show on Twitter. So, send us your feedback, tag us in your polls and your questions. We would be more than willing to share and/or answer those. But before we get started here today, I want to introduce you to a, a podcast on the DLF feed, Dynasty Crossroads. Dynasty Crossroads is a podcast where Peter Howard and Jake Anderson discuss dynasty player values from both a film and analytical perspective helping you make your final analysis on that given player. And they actually do more than one player a lot of those shows, and you aren't a complete fantasy football player until you can embrace both sides, the analytical and the film breakdown side. So give that a uh, listen. That's on the DLF uh, family of podcasts, and up your game. Before we get into our start sets, we're actually going to throw it over to... Our resident in chief, I guess. Well, I don't even know what to call him. Our, our personal doctor, Ethan Turner, with some uh, injury news, injury reports, injury analysis for you guys this week.
2: John Hogue, Superflex dude here with Ethan Turner, our resident doctor. Uh, so we can do some. We we start calling these, these HIPAA violations. And uh, it's it's certainly not that, but I just really like the the sound of it. So, um, and it's very very unique and makes us sound like we're we're doing something that's you know certainly below board. So it makes it makes it feel dangerous. So I think we might stick with that.
3: I definitely feel like it It feels dangerous to me. You hear HIPAA <laughs> violations in medicine and you're like, oh, geez, no, I don't want to be associated with that. Yeah. I'm going to have my boss calling me like, I heard you were doing HIPAA violations on your <laughs> podcast, and I don't think that's appropriate. It's not actually a HIPAA violation. These are not my patients. I do not get to see these professional athletes. Um, I am just reporting and talking about things <laughs> that are public knowledge with a little bit of background knowledge. And making infer uh, inferring uh, based on the information that's available to the public, uh, not violating any HIPAA laws. <laughs>
2: no, no, definitely not. That's the key right there. Is this is all this is all public information? Everybody's talking about this stuff right now. Everything that we're going to go over right now, you you've uh, it, it's it's already well documented. But uh, we we do have a great resource here with you, Ethan. Uh, the fact that we uh, we've got a physical therapist here who can really kind of go through these injuries for us and, and help us to understand, uh, you know, what's going on with these players with their injuries and, uh, you know, it, what kind of action items we can take away from that uh, when it comes time to set our lineup. So uh, let's just jump in here because. I mean, to me, the big one that uh, that everyone's going to be wondering about is Pat Mahomes um, had that ankle injury. It it looked pretty bad for a moment there. He actually came off the field and went into the tent and uh, he he ended up coming back and finishing the game. He didn't even miss a snap. But um, do we need to be concerned with uh, with Pat Mahomes at all?
3: I think you have to be concerned just because it, it it is an ankle sprain. It could be something that he could re-aggravate easily, uh, and it's Pat Mahomes. I mean, the the investment that you put in from a fantasy perspective is massive. So if he goes down, uh, you're you're probably going to have a pretty rough uh, year. So from that perspective, yes, it's a big deal. You know, he rolls his ankle at the end of the second quarter, but he did get a five-minute breather because Miles Jack decided <laughs> he wanted to lose his mind and start <laughs> punching people. Uh, so he got a free five-minute breather. He came back. Uh, I, I do would like to note that he did leave that game about five minutes early. Obviously, the game was well in hand. They were never even close to losing that game, but uh, as far as his ankle goes, I'm not really worried about it for week two. I think that the fact that he came back and played on it They're going to tape him up. He might not be as mobile as he normally would be, but I don't think that it's a question of him uh, playing or not playing.
2: Yeah. So Miles Jack kind of did the thing like little kids actually do this when they don't want to leave somewhere. They just kind of go limp with their body, just kind of try and lay down in the middle of the floor. Miles Jack literally did that on the field and the training staff had to actually kind of drag him off. So, Uh, and, yeah, that ended up benefiting the Chiefs so that Pat Mahomes could get taped up and get back in the game. Uh, The quarterback on the other side of that game, though, Nick Foles for the Jaguars, uh, definitely not so lucky. What's going on there with Nick Foles?
3: So he's got a collarbone fracture. Uh, Foles left Sunday's game with that broken collarbone. It is on his non-throwing side, which is important for his recovery. Uh, He has since had surgery. He was placed on the IR, so you're looking at eight weeks minimum, I do think he's worth holding onto in a super flex league. It's kind of a late season IR stash. Uh, He could be, could be one that I I just feel like if you drop him and then he, he has a good end of the season, you're going to be kicking yourself. Uh, So if you have an IR spot, it's worth putting him in there. If you do not have an IR spot, I think he could be a cut candidate just because he is going to miss at a minimum the next eight weeks.
2: Nice. What, what's kind of worst case scenario there? Um, obviously, I mean, the, you know, the full season, if they decide that he's not the guy that they want to bring back off of IR, but just in terms of, of recovery and rehab. Uh,
3: I mean, worst case scenario is that the he re-injures the, the plates and stuff that they're using to hold everything together. So while it heals, uh, if he were to re-injure it, they would have to go in, refixate it, um, and then he would definitely miss the rest of the season. That's that's worst, worst case. Uh, the other worst case is that two other very uh, – issue plays really well, and two other players that are on the IR are more important to the team's success, um, and they just don't bring him back. They just leave him on the IR all, all season. So that, that would obviously be a, a, another worst-case scenario for – uh, Nick Foles owners, but uh, again, if you have an IR spot built into your league, uh, Foles is a, a reasonable stash. Uh, if you play in a one quarterback league, you shouldn't be listening to the Superflex show. I'm um, just kidding. You <laughs> listen to the show, uh, but you shouldn't be starting Nick Foles if you're in a one quarterback league. Um, so this is really just in the Superflex leagues that you need to be making these decisions with him.
2: Nice. The rest of the quarterback position mostly came out unscathed. So we can I think we can move on to the wide receivers here. Uh Tyreek Hill, uh, sticking with that, that Chiefs Jaguars game from week one. Uh Tyreek Hill obviously uh is going to miss some time. Um you put out a a, a very detailed thread on Twitter on this injury. So I, I think that what we really want here is for people to, to go check out that thread because you put in a ton of work, but maybe you could kind of give us a cliff notes on on Tyreek Hill and expected time missed.
3: Yeah. So Tyreek Hill had an interesting one. I would say this is probably well outside of the Wednesday news with Hunter Henry. Tyreek Hill's injury is the most important for fantasy players this, this week. He has a posterior sternoclavicular joint dislocation. So basically, uh, everyone hears about your AC joint, which is where your, your clavicle connects to the shoulder. Uh, you don't think about the clavicle coming in and connecting to the sternum. So that is where his injury occurred. Um, the The problem is, is that this is a very rare injury. So it actually was a posterior uh, dislocation, which means the clavicle popped out into his chest, like further into his chest, like towards his back. So uh, that's a big deal because when, you, when that happens... There is a lot of very important uh, stuff that sits behind your sternum. Um, if you just look at, at basically any major blood vessel that's anywhere near the heart, that is where it sits. It sits right behind the sternum. So uh, this is a very dangerous. It's one of the few life-threatening uh, shoulder injuries because technically the the clavicle is considered part of the shoulder, even though it goes all the way into your chest. Um, so this was a very big deal. So. They took him to the emergency room uh, to get him checked out, to monitor him, to make sure that blood flow was not impaired so that uh, if they had to, they could theoretically open him up and take the pressure off um, from that. They did not need to have surgery. Uh, They were able to relocate his clavicle using uh, non-surgical techniques, which is is good for Tyreek Hill fantasy owners because if they would have had to open him up, he'd have definitely been put on the IR. The team says that they expect him to miss four to six weeks. I think it could still be longer than that. Uh, Hill, just being with the investment that you put in fantasy-wise, he isn't droppable, so you can't drop him. There's no way. If you drop him and he comes back in four weeks, you're going to look like a fool. So you have to just hope for the best and hope he comes, you know, that this is a a quick recovery. Um, I'm saying probably four-plus weeks at a minimum, probably closer to that six-week mark. So. Um, they have a week twelve buy, so that doesn't even really play any role in when he could come back. So uh, I think with Hill, you know obviously this is a scary injury. this is this is big time, and he's gonna miss a lot of time. So if Sammy Watkins can stay healthy, uh, he could be a, a serious steal for fantasy owners to start the season.
2: Hill doesn't have very many fans left, but uh, that's that you still gotta you still gotta you know it you still gotta feel a little. Uh, nervous for the guy with something that dangerous. Uh let's here's one that I think that we're probably just gonna have to check in on from time to time, unfortunately, even though this was a preseason injury, early preseason injury, uh training camp injury, in fact. But AJ Green, uh still out with a foot injury. Uh what's the uh what's the timeline looking like now?
3: Yeah, so Green—he's recovering from a preseason ankle injury. Um, basically, he had a player land on it. He turned in, uh, high ankle sprain. He had—he did have surgery on it as well, which is important, uh, prolongs his recovery. He shed his walking boot on Tuesday of this week. Uh, I still think he has a ways to go from being ready to play on Sundays. I expect Green back around that four to five week mark um, of the season if everything goes according to plan. The fact that he is now uh, running, which is always a loose term in the media, uh, he's probably gingerly jogging on a treadmill, Uh, tells us that he uh, is at least on the right track to recovery, but I don't think he comes back anytime super soon.
2: So that's not one where it's not really going to factor into lineup decisions. Uh, Certainly not this week. I think that we were all prepared for that. Uh, if anything changes around week three, then uh, then we'll definitely let you know. But in the meantime, it sounds like we'll check back in around week four. Uh, but here's one that I think is going to affect some people's lineup decisions. I think people are probably a little bit nervous about this right now. Juju Smith-Schuster with a toe injury. Um, how's uh, How's that looking, and is there any chance that he misses week two?
3: Well, there's absolutely a chance that he could miss week two. Uh, toe injuries, it, really any foot injuries are not something that I play around with too often. Uh, they're hard to rehab, but they're really uh, really just a day-to-day thing on if they're going to feel good or not on Sunday. Um, he injured his toe. He got tackled late in the fourth quarter of that blowout game. Uh, X-rays came back negative, which is a good sign. That means nothing's broken. Um, but then we're probably dealing with a soft tissue um, injury here with his toe. He is practicing in a limited fashion, which is always a good sign. You always want to see these guys, even if they're just getting limited practice in uh, that is better than not practicing at all. If they're not practicing at all, that means that it, they're 100% rehabbing. Uh, and that is not a good sign when you're talking about expecting them to play or not. Um, I do think that he is going to play. However, owners of of him in fantasy should have a backup plan on Sunday in case things change last minute because, again, with these foot injuries, it's just so hard to tell um, how these guys are going to feel day to day.
2: Two more wide receivers, and I think these are probably pretty quick ones. Devin Funches goes on IR. Um, it, it, is, do you think there's any chance that he ends up coming back, uh, being pulled back off of IR later in the season?
3: There's a chance Uh, he had a collarbone. So again, you're looking at six to eight weeks. That's a pretty uh, standard injury. Um, He would fit the criteria of an IR stash where basically he goes on the IR and he gets designated a return. The question is, are the Colts going to be good enough uh, to justify bringing Funchess back? Is he the uh, key to them winning or making it to the playoffs. I don't think that he is. Uh, he could be one that sits on on the IR for the whole year just because the team doesn't have any need to bring his specific skill set back. Um, I think they're going to use this year as kind of a, a trial year for your guys like Deion Kane and and Paris Campbell. So to me, Funchess is droppable in fantasy. I don't expect him to play much this year, um, even if they do designate him to return.
2: It's a highly replaceable position for sure. One more guy, and this is a this I, I just want to throw this in as a quick hitter just for due diligence purposes. But DeAndre Hopkins showed up on the injury report uh, with a rib injury. And I mean, the thing is, Hopkins seems like he's always on the injury report with something, yet he's only missed one regular season game in his entire career. He's played through far worse. Uh, do you have any reservations with starting DeAndre Hopkins?
3: No, if you're overthinking DeAndre Hopkins playing on Sunday, then you're, you're making this way too hard. Uh, highly, highly, highly unlikely that Hopkins doesn't play on Sunday.
2: There we go. All right, let's move on to the running backs. Uh, Joe Mixon. This is another one that I think people are going to be gripping a little bit going into the weekend, but Joe Mixon with the ankle injury, any, uh, it, how, how, do what do you, uh, how do you handicap his chances of playing?
3: Yeah. Mixon rolled his ankle in week one, um, kind of got it rolled up underneath the guy, if I remember correctly, and he missed the rest of the game. Uh, he's one that's likely going to be a game time decision this week. If he doesn't get any practice time at all, I think it's a pretty bleak sign for his availability. I really feel like uh, I don't personally expect him to play this week. Uh, I think they're going to roll with with Giovanni Bernard in that role and give Mixon as much time as possible, because if they push it too hard, then they're really hampering their chances of winning long-term. If Mixon just can't get right, Uh, it's too early in the year. I think they're going to be cautious and I don't expect him to, even if he does play, which I don't expect him to, I think it's going to be in a limited role.
2: Yeah. So maybe uh, definitely got to temper expectations. Even if he does go Um, maybe just, try and uh try and make plans without him that's uh let's see oh it went a little out of order i missed one wide receiver tyler lockett with a back injury um uh this kind of this feels like it came out of nowhere i mean as far as we knew he was healthy after the the game against cincinnati but all of a sudden shows up on the the injury report and it uh, looks like he's been missing practices in the middle of the week. Uh, wh- what's uh, your level of concern there?
3: Um, it's it's concerning any time a guy doesn't practice at all, like I said. Uh, Lockett, this could be an explanation for why he only got two targets. Um, I, I really feel like that was more due to the game script and the team trying to get DK Metcalf some looks he missed most of the preseason. Um, I think that they were really trying to emphasize him in the past game, but anytime a guy misses practice, I get a little bit concerned just because it, uh, if you can't practice in a limited fashion, that means that this back is really uh, impairing you. I don't know what's going on with his back. This is again, a pretty fresh uh, injury from, from Wednesday. So uh, hopefully later in the week, um, I'll be able to update everybody on Twitter on how this is going. But uh, right now, I, I would say moderately concerned.
2: How about Tevin Coleman uh, with the ankle injury? Uh, man, all this – that – that, that running back situation is just kind of turning into exactly what we dealt with last year in San Francisco, even with the addition of Tevin Coleman and the return of Jarek McKinnon. We're, we're still kind of right back to square one, but uh, Tevin Coleman sounds like he's going to miss some time. How much time?
3: Yeah, Coleman has an, uh, a high ankle sprain, which is much worse than your low ankle sprain. You can't brace the high ankle, which is why it's a worse uh, injury of the two. Usually about three to six weeks is the standard time to miss uh, with this type of injury. I think uh, the team has a week four bye, so I'm going to eye week five as a possible return date for Coleman at the earliest.
2: That's not too bad. So if if he was to make it back you know, in the early around the, that three week mark, are you going to have reservations starting him?
3: Yes. Only because I don't One, I don't expect him, uh, you know, again, they've got the, the four, the week four by. So, you know, if he misses this week and next week by week four, you know, then you're only talking three, almost four weeks. Um, I'm probably not starting him week five, but I do think he's going to return around that time.
2: One more guy to talk about here, Trey Burton with a groin injury. He actually missed week one. Do you expect a return here in week two?
3: You know, I don't I don't know for sure. I, I think that he's kind of a, a coin flip at this point. Your groin strains are one of those things that uh, everything looks great, and then he goes to take off uh, full speed, and then he pops it again, and then you know, you're right back to square one. We, we deal with it a lot with hamstring strains kind of in the same deal where they're more likely to re-injure it uh, when they first return. So I'm probably not starting him in week two, even if he plays just because he could be, it could be a situation where he plays a couple of snaps and says, no, you know, at full speed, this isn't right. So um, d- to is there a possibility that he plays week two? I think it's a pretty good shot. I would say if, if you put me to the fire on it he's gonna play um am i starting him in fantasy probably not
2: there you go you're sitting trey burton you're starting pat mahomes and deandre hopkins juju smith schuster we're gonna we we want to keep an eye on that one james connor as well that's another one that i forgot to mention um but that one's i mean it's it's total mystery at this point with the illness
3: yeah he's got this he's got a stomach bug i don't expect very rare do players miss because of an illness designation
2: yeah yeah and uh and really temper expectations with joe mixon if he does go so great stuff ethan really appreciate it make sure you're following ethan at e turner ff underscore pt on twitter and he'll uh he'll keep you updated with all the game time decisions so Um, and, uh, yeah, I really appreciate your time, Ethan, and we'll, uh, we'll do it again tomorrow for the second edition
0: of the start sits. All right. And thank you, Ethan. You can find Ethan on Twitter at E Turner, underscore PT. He gives you really good insight on injury news. He also just gives you good, uh, fantasy football insight. So go give him a follow. All right. So we are going to start with our start sits. For week two on the afc side so but uh there will be some obviously some nfc uh teams in here as well uh if you have been listening for a while we are doing the standard green light yellow light red light green light meaning start with confidence yellow light meaning startable but temper your expectations red light obviously meaning bench or sit and we'll start with brian here we're going to start with the 49ers at the Bengals. what do you got for us brian
1: Uh, So green lights, uh, definitely George Kittle. Uh, I think you start him every week, regardless uh, of who he's playing. Uh, Tyler Boyd is another green light for me. Uh, I feel pretty good about Tyler Boyd this week. Uh, And then yellow light, I have Matt Breda and Jimmy GQ, uh, Jimmy Garoppolo for the Niners. And then John Ross for the Bengals, who, of course, had a big week one. Um, I think you can start him, but. Obviously, if you're expecting what he did in week one every week, uh, I think you're going to be disappointed often. Um, but he 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 is a start. I think we can uh, expect him to get some some production. Um, and then for red light, I have the Cincinnati running backs. Um, obviously, Joe Mixon is banged up a little bit. Uh, it's questionable if he's even going to pl- going to play this week. Um, you know, and Gio Bernard, I think. He's a player that he, I, it's not that I don't like Geo's talent or, or obviously if he's, if he's getting the majority of the carries in that backfield. Um, I'm just not sure that this game, I'm not sure what to expect with this game. Uh, just in terms, I think that the Niners have a pretty good front four. Um, so, uh, you know, I, I'm, I'm a little I'm a little hesitant on their Cincinnati running backs. I think if you have another option, I, I would go that direction. Uh, and then Dante Pettis. You know, I'm not starting Dante Pettis in any leagues uh, until I know he's going to get more than two snaps. You're so, kidding.
0: You're not starting two snap Dante Pettis.
1: I, I'm not. I, I, did,
0: Shanahan. Shanahan did praise him for those two snaps. He looked really good on those two snaps.
1: Yeah, yeah. Apparently he did. I I don't know. I actually didn't see the two snaps, but uh, yeah. According to his coach, he 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 did well on those two snaps. Uh, he he didn't catch anything, but hey, you know.
0: Meanwhile, uh, Debo Debo played seventy percent of the snaps. So yes. I, and and I would have to look up what Marquise Goodwin did. Seems like Dante Pettis is in the doghouse somewhere. So probably a good sit until you until we actually understand what's going on in San Francisco. Um. I I hate Jimmy G in the yellow light here section here. I, Jimmy G looked so bad last week, and he's looked bad this entire preseason. And honestly, he has not looked good his entire career. He's looked mediocre at best. That's a, for a five-game stretch in 2017, which brought all this hype for Jimmy G. But I understand why you have to do it because of the matchup. The Bengals' defense is atrocious. And... They can be run on, they can be thrown on you kinda i mean, if you have to start Jimmy G, I get it, but there's gotta be better options out there. I would think somebody like matt Stafford, which who hasn't been rostered very highly, Andy Dalton is another one um in this game specifically, who they seem to want to run a lot of eleven personnel like they like l a uh, does, and obviously Zach Taylor being a Sean McVay disciple, so he might be another pivot there uh, as well. Andy Andy Dalton. Uh, in terms of Gio Bernard, I actually think he's a yellow light if Joe Mixon is out. Obviously, I think Joe Mixon is a green light if he plays, but I don't think he's playing this week. Gio has proven in the past, specifically last year, that he can take that load and he can he can do well with it. I think he he's better in a complimentary role, much like you know, like Austin Eckler to Melvin Gordon. But I I would put Gio, just because of the volume that he can get as a yellow light this week if Mixon is out.
1: Yeah, and I think I think his value. If he if he does produce fantasy numbers this week, I think his value is obviously in the passing game. Again, that front four of San Francisco's is pretty good, um, and I think running the football, he he's gonna there there's, there aren't gonna be a lot of holes uh, for him to 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 work through. But he, he obviously has tremendous value in the passing game, and that's where he he can create the mismatches, and and that's where he's performed so well in the past. Um, so I definitely can see a scenario where he. You know, where he has a um, a productive game catching the football. Um, I just, uh, you know, again, I'm just, I'm not 100% sure. Um, you know, we haven't seen a lot of them in a year and a half either, you know, since, since Joe Mixon kind of took over that job. So uh, that's why I kind of have the Cincy backs just kind of as a, yeah. a, as a red light. But I think you make some good points there. And, and he very well could produce some, some stats out of the, out of the backfield in the passing game.
0: Uh, what do you think about Raheem Mostert this week? Uh, we we know Tevin Coleman's out. Uh, Matt Breda's a yellow light. I, I like my Matt Breda this week, but he's always getting banged up. He plays through it, but he's always banged up. And Raheem Mostert was effective last season in uh, Breda's stead when he would miss a quarter here or there. Um, or as that RB2. So what do you think of Raheem Mostert this week against a very vulnerable uh, Bengals run defense? Yeah, I mean, I kind of like him.
1: Um, I mean, he looked better actually running the football than Breda did last week. I think Breda, only, he was averaging under th- three yards a carry, uh, whereas Mostert, uh, Mostert was up around four and a half. So um, he, he does a lot with the limited touches that he gets. Uh, I think Matt Braid is going to get the the first mm-hmm. shot at producing, obviously in in that offense. But yeah, I mean, if you need a guy to stick in your flex spot so that you know you can pick up a couple points and just not be uh, not be crushed by a, a really absent player, there, I think that uh, Raheem Mostert is a guy that you could plug in and and get some you know get some production. I don't I don't think he's going to have a huge game or anything like that, but uh, you know could could he get you? Uh, in the
0: high single digits to low double digits, yeah, he might be able to do that. We aren't a DFS podcast, but uh, that I have just one recommendation for DFS this week. Uh, Mostert might be a sneaky tournament play, GPP play in DFS. If Bredo were to go down, let's say, in the first half, and Mostert gets the majority of the carries in the second half, he could end up being a... a a fantastic value and give you a good return on investment. All right. So moving on, uh, Colt at Titans, um, green lights, T.Y. Hilton's kind of an obvious one. You can't really sit T.Y. Hilton despite his quarterback. Derrick Henry, I spelled it wrong on this sheet because I'm dumb. It's D-E-R-R-I-C-K, not D-E-R-E-K. But you have to start Derrick Henry. We saw how explosive that dude can be in open space with a – 75-yard touchdown. Um, And then Delaney Walker. Delaney Walker's back. He is back to being Marcus Mariota's number one target, as he has been for Marcus Mariota's entire career, except for last year, obviously. And he he honestly could sneak up into that top five tight ends again this year, just because how much Marcus Mariota trusts him. I don't know if I believe that uh, because of the volume, but Delaney Walker is going to be a must start basically week in and week out uh, from here on uh, yellow lights, AJ Brown, AJ Brown, I think showed us that he is the wide receiver one in Tennessee. He just, I like, I liked Corey Davis coming out, but he just has been, and I don't even know if it's Corey Davis per se, but it's just a situation that he's in. And I, I think there's a perception that Corey Davis is the wide receiver one there. And he draws some horrendous matchups, some bad matchups. I mean, last week he got uh, Denzel Ward um, where and A.J. Brown got uh, Greedy Williams, I believe. And Greedy Williams is a rookie, so he kind of got torn apart a little bit. But A.J. Brown, um, a lot of yards after catch, he, but temper expectations, obviously, you can't really react to week one. I'm doing this one for John. Marcus Mariota's a yellow light. I don't love it. Um, I think the Colts' defense is a lot better than they showed against the Chargers. Uh, Keenan Allen kind of tore them apart last week. Philip River, and, and uh, Austin—oh um, my god—Austin Eckler did as well. Um, I don't know if they are as bad as they came off. Darius Leonard recognized that he played. Terrible. Um, and I think they're better than than that. So, again, Marcus Mariota is one of those guys you just you're not going to get those super high uh, point games like you did in week one. So just temper your expectations with Marcus Mariota. Marlon Mack as well. Marlon Mack looked awesome. 175 yards on the ground. Two touchdowns. I think.
1: Uh, I yeah, he think won. he had one. Yeah, T.Y. had two, and I think oh, yeah. he had the he other lo- one.
0: But he, he looked great. He looked like uh, the guy that we saw last season. Unfortunately, he was not involved in the pass game. Um, that is Naheem Hines' uh, part of the offense. So he, he, he's got a cap ceiling, and I don't think you can expect 175 yards every week. So another one, uh, temporary expectations and the Tennessee Titans defense is one of the best in the league, probably top five in the league. Um, So while, while I don't think you probably have a choice in starting Marlon Mack, I would just advise to temper expectations there. Um, Red lights, Corey Davis. I don't know what's going on. Uh, I think he had three targets. He didn't catch any of them. Um, I just him and Mariota just don't seem to be on the same page. And now that Delaney Walker's back and A.J. Brown's there and Adam Humphreys is there and Derrick Henry can catch the ball sometimes and Deion Lewis is there, Corey Davis's ceiling is just not there anymore. And his ceiling was relatively low anyway. So until he starts to show again with this newer offense, probably not the best start. Plus... The secondary for the Colts is actually better than we think. They have two very good uh, cornerbacks there in Pierre Desir, Desir, and uh, Kenny. I can't remember his last name. Um, Jacoby Brissett again. Tennessee Titans defense is is very good. I don't. I mean, he only threw for 190 yards last week on 27 passes. Yet he, he did have two touchdowns, but. Chargers are different than the Tennessee Titans. Eric Ebron, the Tennessee Titans are very good against um, tight ends. Uh, I believe they ranked second in um, in coverage DVOA against tight ends last season, and nothing really changed there. So uh, I would be staying away from both Ebron and Doyle. And then uh, Naheem Hines. Uh, the Titans were also very good in covering running backs out of the backfield and pass-catching running backs. So, I would be avoiding really all except all of the um, all of the passing game for the Colts, except for Ty Hilton this week.
1: Yeah, I, I agree with a lot of those. Corey Davis is really disappointing for me. I've I've been a big proponent of his. Um, his talent uh when he came out of school and whatnot but it's just it the situation just is ugly you know he he never has it's exactly what you said he's never had that connection with Mariota. three targets zero catches i mean Mm -hmm. they scored 43 points and he was he he had absolutely no part in that um so i don't know how you can start him with confidence um you know, right now, I mean, the Tennessee Titans might not score forty-three points in in a game this year. Moving forward, you know, so, um, and 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 he wasn't a part of it. So I just, yeah, I'm with you. I don't think you can start Davis at all.
0: I'm gonna I'm gonna use OutHouse uh likes to argue that Corey Davis had like the fifth highest target share last season. In in, in an argument for Corey Davis, I'm gonna use it against him. Yes, he had the fifth highest target share, but he also had. A I was he he might have been wide receiver 26 last season outside of the top 24 and now that target share goes down probably because of delaney walker because of uh aj brown because of adam humphreys so i i think his ceiling i mean last year in this offense i think his ceiling was or his ceiling was last year in this offense yeah Yep. All right, Brian. Let's move on to the Patriots and Dolphins here. So this yeah. is basically start all Patriots, right? Uh, yeah, yeah, pretty
1: much. I <laughs> mean, I it's gonna it's gonna be a bloodbath. Uh, there's hardly any doubt about that. Um, I I think the guys that you definitely want to make sure you start with confidence are Sony Michelle, um, Tom Brady, of course. I mean, you're you're starting him in this game, uh, and Julian Edelman as far as the receivers go. Um, I, I think the you know, the pats are likely to be up big and early. So I think Sony's really, this is a game where Sony Michelle should really get an opportunity to show, uh, he's going to get volume. Um, and I think Damien Harris will get some carries in this game too, hopefully, uh, if they get out to a big lead, but, um, but I think this is a big game for Sony, um, yellow light. I have James white. And just because of what I just said, I, I don't think that you know his skill set is is mainly catching passes out of the backfield and I think that he's not going to be as involved in the offense this this week just because of the game script Um, and then Antonio Brown if he does play obviously we're we're kind of waiting or unsure of what the situation is there with whether he's going to go on the exempt list Um, but if he plays you know I, I think you'd I mean, you have to start Antonio kind of, but I would probably temper expectations there. First game in a brand new offensive system um, with a Hall of Fame quarterback who spreads the ball all over the field. So, uh, you know, I, I think Antonio Brown, as we go into the season, is going to be probably the monster that we expect him to be on the football field. But, to you know, this week, week two, first week of him working with Tom Brady, I think, again, you can start him but just temper your expectations. He's not going to be the Antonio Brown you're, you're used to in his first week in a new system. Um, and then as far as the red lights, I'm not starting a Miami dolphin right now. I mean, they, they barely had over 200 yards of offense in the game against Baltimore. Um, you know, I think the new England defense is probably better than the Baltimore defense overall. um, Mm -hmm you know i mean baltimore historically has been very strong on the defensive side of the ball but they lost some playmakers there over the over the uh over the offseason and i think they they had a great performance against the Dolphins last week, um, you know. But but I think New England's defense overall is a better defense, and I think that Miami. I think it's likely you're going to see a pretty pathetic performance again from them. Uh, so I just I'm keeping all those guys on the bench. Uh, if I have anybody that I can throw in over a Miami Dolphin player, I'm doing it. So uh, that's that's kind of my summary on the Patriots Dolphins. Uh.
0: Devonte Parker, I believe, was like top ten last week in air yards, right? Which is just really weird to see. Had three catches for seventy-five yards. Uh, I don't really know what to think about that one. Uh, so I'm gonna. <laughs> I, I think I think I agree. Um, I, there could be some desperation plays here where like Miami falls behind big and they're just going to be chucking the ball. So, Preston Williams and, and uh, Devontae Parker could be desperation plays. I, w- I mean, I guarantee you, you have better options unless you've just been hammered by injuries. Right. Um, Josh Gordon probably belongs in the yellow as well here um, because we just don't know what that Antonio Gordon dynamic is going to be, who's going to be playing where. Um, so, yeah, I mean, the, the big one here, Sonny Michel, people had kind of roached Sonny Michelle off last week, but he had 14 carries or it was either 14 for 14 carries for 15 yards or 15 for 14. But people seem to forget that the Pittsburgh Steelers actually have a good run defense. Yes. Um, and looking at DVOA, they were ranked eighth overall last year in DVOA, uh, football outsiders DVOA in ter- against the run. And they allowed the eighth fewest fantasy points to running backs in 2018. And they just smothered. I mean, if you watch that game, they smothered Sonny Michel. And he didn't really have anywhere to go. So you can't really dr- – I mean, look, first and foremost, let's be realistic. That's not – in talking to the Steelers fan here, that's not the Steelers. That, that was not a good game to judge the Steelers on.
1: Yeah, for sure. For sure. And I think that defense is, is going to be improved, you know, kind of talked earlier in the week on the show about how, you know, that, that Steelers, the team, they just, they they never play well against new England. Never. I mean, even last year in the win, it wasn't like they were that much better. They squeaked it out on their home turf, um, you know, running the football essentially and, and right. keeping, keeping the new England offense off of the football field. So you know, I, I it just, you know, the Steelers historically have been a perennial playoff team with a very strong defense. The last couple of years, the defense has really tailed off. You know, I think they do have some some playmakers, albeit young playmakers. Um, you know, Devin Bush, I'm really excited about him on the defensive side of the ball. Although Mike Tomlin chose not to play him in those critical situations, they they trade up and bring him in, yeah. and and then they don't play him in the situations they drafted him to play him in. So I don't really understand what's going on with that. But um, but regardless, yeah, I don't think you can judge the Steelers um, based off of that week one performance. Right. Um, they did do a nice job containing Sony Michelle in the running game. Yep. I think Rex Burkhead was the best the best uh, statistically the best back for the Patriots. Right. But um, I mean,
0: but the big thing there is that Sonny Michelle had the most touches yes. of the Patriots running backs,
1: 15 carries. He
0: yep. just was not effective. And I guarantee you he would have gotten more because of the blowout that that game was, if he had been more effective, right? The Steelers just did a good job of bottling him up. The Dolphins will not the Dolphins entire team is a, is terrible. They're just bad. <laughs> Uh, but that defense was terrible last season as well. Um, they ranked, uh, looking it up here, they ranked twenty fourth against the run. Uh, in DVOA, they allowed the fifth, the fifth most running back po- fantasy running back points last season. So it's it's a perfect storm for Sonny Michelle. They're going to be up big against a. Bad defense all around, bad run defense. Sonny Michelle. I mean, you saw what Mark Ingram did last season. And I would I, I would bet that most people will think Sonny Michelle is more talented. So start Sonny Michelle this week. Start most of the, the Patriots this week. Yeah, for sure. Uh I think John this did this on purpose for me. So thank you, John Hope. <laughs> uh, on to the Cardinals at Ravens. Um, green lights. I'm always going to say, Lamar, you got to start Lamar Jackson regardless because the dude can run all over you if he's not passing. But we now know he can pass for 324 yards and five touchdowns. Um, uh, Mel, or uh, Mark Ingram is a, is a start here. Um, Mark Andrews is a start here. I also have Willie Sneed as a sneaky green light here. So basically most of that Ravens offense because of what we saw last week. But the – the Cardinals are susceptible through the air. Uh, they were a lot, they're very good against the pass last season, but they are missing their top two cornerbacks. Patrick Peterson is out for six games. Uh, Robert Alford is out indefinitely with a broken leg. So they are susceptible through the air and on the ground. And we saw it last week. I mean, carry Johnson was kind of taken out of the game. Um, but Matt Stafford threw all over them through all over them. Uh, And the reason – so Mark Andrews is an obvious one. He had a fantastic game. I believe he caught eight of nine targets for over 100 yards last week. He was, I believe, the highest targeted receiver for – or pass catcher for the Ravens last week, and he's going to be for the rest of the season. Mark Ingram had 14 carries for over 100 yards and two touchdowns. The Cardinals are bad against the run as well. Willie Sneed. The reason he's sneaky start for me this week is Danny Amendola had 13 targets for over hundred yards and a touchdown from the slot. Willie Sneed is obviously the slot receiver for the Ravens. And while those, while they don't really have any quarter cornerbacks on the outside, they don't really have a cornerback for the slot either. So I think Willie Sneed could garner six, seven targets this week, maybe get a touchdown, get two 60 to 70 yards and in PPR, that's a very good uh, game for for a, a slot receiver. Uh, Yellow Lights, Hollywood Brown. He played twelve snaps. He got four or five targets for one hundred and forty some odd yards and two touchdowns. You can't expect that every week. I think he's going to get more snap share this week because he's just so dynamic and he he adds an element to this offense that you wouldn't normally see. Uh, so, but you got to temper expectations. You can't expect that every week. If he gets, if he gets shut down this week, I wouldn't be surprised. I don't think he will because I don't think the Cardinals defense is that good. So I think Holly, but I think Hollywood is a yellow light temper expectations. Miles Boykin too. Um, He got a touchdown last week, but again, no outside corners. So much of this Ravens pass offense is probably a decent start. Um, and then we look at uh, the Arizona side. Kyler Murray is a yellow light. Larry Fitzgerald's a yellow light. Christian Kirk's a yellow light, and David Johnson's a yellow light for me too. This Ravens defense, arguably top three defense, on and and they're good through the air and on the ground. So I, th- there are players here that you, I mean David Johnson specifically that you basically any David Johnson owner is not going to be sitting David Johnson ever, but. Like we talked about before uh, on what yellow light is, you have to temper your expectations on David Johnson. I would not be surprised to see him only get in the teens in terms of fantasy points this week, instead of what he got last week, which was 20 plus fantasy points. Uh, and, and the same goes for Fitz and Kirk. You're, you're not, you're not throwing on the Detroit lions. You're throwing on the Baltimore Ravens. And, and by the way, you should be picking up Christian Kirk as fast as possible because I believe he was top five in top five or 10 in air yards last week as well. And he's just on the verge of to explode. Um, And then red lights, justice Hill. uh, He did get seven carries for 27 yards, but, but Gus Edwards got 17 carries last week. And he actually Gus Edwards played the most of all the running backs for the uh, Ravens last week. Grain of salt because it was the Dolphins, but still. Gus Edwards still exists. He's still going to get carries. Until Justice Hill gets more volume in that pass game, he's, you probably shouldn't be starting him. Um, Dem, is it Demir Bird? Demarie Bird? I Can't remember what his he's first Demar- name is. Regardless, he was on the field, I believe, the third most of all of the wide receivers for the Cardinals. But, again, better defense this week. I just don't expect – that offense to score twenty seven points like they did in week one, and then Keyshawn Johnson also. They play. I, I believe the Cardinals played four wide receivers a majority of the time last week. Keyshawn Johnson being that fourth wide receiver, but I, the the Ravens are going to sh- slow this slow this offense down.
1: Yeah, I'm I'm in agreement with most of those as well. I'm all in on this Baltimore offense. I mean, I want as many pieces as I can get right now. Um, I, I'm not looking forward to it in in my real football life having to watch them probably steamroll the rest of the division this year. But um, but yeah, I fantasy wise, I want as many pieces as I can get because they've built this offense around the skills of Lamar Jackson, and um, I, I think all of these pieces fit, fit really well.
0: Well, and and the thing with the the Ravens is they were – I think a lot of people, and I, and I I agree with this, is they were built to run the ball and play defense. And if Lamar Jackson adds that element of passing the ball like he did, and I don't think he will, but he, if he is above even my expectations as a passer, that makes this team extremely dangerous because they're very good on defense. They can run the ball. And if Lamar Jackson can pass the ball, I, there's going to – it's going to become a point where it's like what do – who do we stop here so
1: well and I think especially especially in the red zone because they have so many I mean they have so many weapons in that offense that are good inside the 20 yard line Mark Ingram running the football Lamar running the football Lamar throwing to the tight, tight end <clears throat> you know they have Miles Boykin who nobody's talking about right now which rightly so but he's a weapon that I think once you get a little bit further into the season his size differential is is going to be huge down there in the red zone and, as and well, he's,
0: and he ran a four four forty. Right, he was right behind DK. Like nobody was talking about Miles Boykin; they were talking about DK Metcalf. Right, Miles Boykin is probably a better overall athlete than DK Metcalf is. Um, but yeah, and and now I know that <laughs> John did this on purpose. <laughs> Brian, Brian, why don't you take the Seahawks and Steelers here?
1: all right so Seahawks and Steelers uh for green lights I have Juju Smith schuster who I'm not concerned about whatsoever moving forward um I think that you know that was an aberration last week and and realistically when you look at his stat line um, it, it it averages out to almost identical to what Antonio Brown's average stat line throughout his career in Pittsburgh was against the New England Patriots. Juju caught six passes for 78 yards. Antonio Brown's average uh, in games versus the Patriots was six catches, 75 yards. So almost identical to what Brown did against that defense. Um, and I think this is a better Patriots defense than even we've seen in the past and and of course Bill Belichick Bill Belichick just coaches them up like crazy so and game plans his game plans are insane um but i'm not worried about juju here moving forward i think he's absolutely still who we thought he was um you know it took him a little while to get going i know some people are worried about the separation um you know and and how he's going to perform without antonio brown in that offense and and i understand those concerns uh, i think he's going to show that he's just fine, um, in this game and moving forward. The other guy on the Steelers' offense that uh, is a green light for me, and I'm not concerned about whatsoever, is James Conner. Um, the game flow in this game with the New England Patriots last week was just—I mean, it was—it was—it was ridiculous. I mean, they were down, and they were down the whole game. James Conner, I think, only carried the ball ten times um, in the game. So, you know, I, I think. As they get him going and make it a priority to get him going, uh, he's really going to show uh, that that you know again last week was an aberration and he's more the player that we saw last year um, than than he was in week one. Um, and then for the Seattle Seahawks, I'm greenlining Tyler Lockett. Uh, I know last week was a little bit strange (laughs) for him Uh, I think he was only targeted the the two times and he caught one of those passes for 44 yards Um, the other pass he should have caught and it would have been another long gainer uh, was another pass down the field that he just dropped the ball Um, but I I think Tyler Lockett gets going in this game I think this is a good game for him to get going against a questionable secondary Um, I like the Steelers defense overall I don't like the secondary uh so I think this is a game where he could he could really get some things going um and then, as far as the yellow lights, I have Russell Wilson in here um the thing for me about Russ is just the usage, right? I mean, is he gonna throw the ball is he i mean they're are they gonna run it thirty five times? uh you know, Wilson is super efficient, and I think he has a a higher floor than some quarterbacks, uh, but the ceiling is kind of iffy just because of how often they run the football there. Um, We talked a little bit about the Steelers rush defense. I think Chris Carson is a yellow light as well. Um, I, I think you can start him, but again, this front, four to seven for the Steelers is pretty good up front against the run game. Uh, so I think Chris Carson maybe struggles a little more this week than he did last week. Um, he should still get the ball bulk of the carries in that offense for sure. Um, but I think this week is a little bit tougher than last week was. Um, I have DJ Metcalf again because of the weak secondary on the Pittsburgh Steelers side. Um, and he did look pretty good in, in the game on Sunday. um, you know, against the uh, Bengals, he looked pretty good. Um, and I think that he's a player, again, against a weaker secondary that is is going to probably get some opportunities to make plays um, against corners that aren't uh, all pro corners. So uh, I think that, that he is startable as well. I, I don't know that he'll have the impact that, um, Tyler Lockett has, but uh, if you need to start him, I think you can. And then Big Ben is the other one here. Um, I, and the reason I have him as a as a yellow light and not a green light this week is I just think that the Steelers are going to really be focused on running the football this week um, and controlling the clock. I really think that'll be a point of emphasis this week. Um, you'll see Juju get his, I think, through the play-action passing game and on third downs and different things like that. Um, but, uh, but Ben, I don't expect this to be a 45 pass 300 plus passing yard performance. Um, I think they're going to really focus on running the football and establishing the run. Um, and then as far as red lights, uh, the two that stick out to me are Vance McDonald and Dante Moncrief. Uh, Moncrief had one of his worst games ever, uh, which is is saying something, I guess, but he, uh, he dropped four passes and they were big moments in the game or at least moments where the Steelers had an opportunity to gain some momentum that they desperately needed in that game Sunday night. Um, so I, I think he will be targeted. I just don't think that it's going to be a ton definitely not 10 as as, I mean he had 10 targets last week I don't think he gets that this week I think it's more five to seven um and and if his catch rate is anywhere similar to what it was last week you're looking at two to three catches for you know whatever um and then Vance McDonald is another one I'm just not confident starting him right now um until I kind of see him get rolling a little bit um McDonald might have been a guy that I overdrafted in some leagues, I think, you know, the expectation I mean Steelers fan, you know, hey, I, I have to admit when when I do that, but um, I, I thought McDonald might have a, a bigger role in this offense and who knows maybe he will moving forward in the se- in the season, but up to this point, and I know we're only one week in. I just I have to see it before I really can buy in and feel confident starting him. I think if you have other tight ends that you can play, I think you should probably play them uh at this point in the season. So that's what I have for the Steelers and Seahawks. You have any strong thoughts on any of those, Stomp?
0: No, I think I agree. Um Carson Carson's one of those that there's just gonna be so much volume and he he's involved in the past game. I believe he had six targets last week that He's virtually unsittable at this point, um, but yeah, I mean, obviously, what we saw last week with the Steelers bottling up Michelle. you have to—and uh, we're using the overusing this phrase too much, but temper expectations. And then I just wanted to say that I have uh, resorted to calling Dante Moncrief hands because <laughs> of his hands. Yes. Good lord, that was atrocious. Awful. Yeah. Give me James Washington. Jam- Free James Washington. Yes. All right.
1: And even Deontay Johnson. I mean, right. Give, like, the kid a, give the kid a shot.
0: At some point, we have to realize Dante Moncrief is not going to happen. He had one season that he got fairly lucky where he scored, I believe, double-digit touchdowns, and that's it. Mm-hmm. That's it. Stop trying to make Dante Moncrief a thing. It's not going to happen. Fetch isn't going to happen. All right, onward, (laughs) on to the Jaguars and Texans. Um, Obvious ones, uh, DeAndre Hopkins, DeJon Watson. Uh, You're not sending them any week ever. Um, Leonard Fournette, he actually looked good with the ball in his hands, and he was involved in the pass game last week, which is nice. Um, Something that we really haven't seen from him. We have those rumors, but he's always injured. We've never been able to see the full potential of Dante – or. Leonard Fournette, so hopefully we're going to see that, but now he has Gardner Minshew, so, so it's one of those. I know. We'll see what happens. Uh, and then D.D. Westbrook this week as well. Texans are very vulnerable through the air, uh, especially now with, with Clowney gone, which they don't. I mean, first and foremost, J.J. Watt didn't get a QB hit. He did not touch the QB last week. Wow. In IDP leagues, he got a big, fat zero. Zero tackles, zero sacks, zero hits. That was bad. Uh, and now that Clowney's gone, that this Texans defense just does not look as good. Clowney, Clowney also had a, an effect on the run game. He was very good run, in run defense, and you saw what the New Orleans Saints did last week. Murray and Kamara ate them alive. But... Um, so that's why that's why Fournette this week is a green light because I think he's just gonna annihilate them. Um, Yellow lights. This being a Superflex podcast, you got to put Gardner Minshew in there. Like I said, the Texans defense is just not as good this year without and and we uh, we can't forget Kareem Jackson who they lost in the offseason to the Broncos. Now they don't have Clowney. This is just not as good of a defense. Gardner Minshew looked great against a bad secondary in the Kansas City Chiefs, but as a rookie, he completed 88% of his passes for 275 yards and two touchdowns. He did have an interception, but as a rookie, that is a pretty phenomenal line, especially when he's just coming off the bench. So he's a yellow light for me. I, I don't know how good he will be. We'll see what he can do in a full game here. Um, but, I mean, could he get 200-plus yards and two touchdowns again? Absolutely, against this defense. So not a bad start as a QB2. Uh, Will Fuller, Jaguars' secondary is fantastic. Uh, they have probably the best no, – not probably. They do have the best cornerback duo in the game, and A.J. AJ Bouye and – and I just forgot his name. Jalen Ramsey. Jalen Ramsey. Good Lord. How do I so. – <laughs> um. So Will Fuller, I mean, he could give you a couple deep balls. We we see it with Watson and Fuller constantly. He could give you a couple deep, deep touchdowns, and that's and that that makes your night, but you you could also get a big fat zero. So it's kind of a risky proposition here. Uh Duke Johnson still seems to be incorporating into this offense earlier than we thought. He caught a touchdown last week. I, I would have to look at where what his snap share was and where he was playing those snaps, but I believe he was playing a significant amount of those snaps from the slot. Um, Duke Johnson, and I forgot to put Hyde on here as well. He's, he's a red light, by the way. Um, Duke Johnson, he's going to get his touches. He's going to get five to 10 carries. He's going to get, I don't know, three to, we'll call it three to seven targets. So he's going to have a floor. His ceiling is just capped by Carlos Hyde. Until Carlos Hyde goes either goes down or proves that he's atrocious. Um, which he is, by the way. He did look good last week, but he's bad. Um, so but Duke Johnson's a yellow light this week. He'll probably give you, like I said, a decent floor. Uh he could probably give you double digits in PPR, but you're not gonna expect a, a much much else. And then DJ Chark, DJ Chark looked fantastic last week, even with Gardner Mitchell. So he caught the touchdown from Foles, and then he caught two deep passes from Gardner Minshew, and he's going to be more of a best ball special, I think, than anything. He's going to be that Dijon Jackson, Will Fuller type, where he could be a bust some games, but he could win you weeks. And he probably won you weeks last week. You weren't starting him, but he could have won you weeks last week. Um, he seems to be a fantastic complement to Didi Westbrook. D.D. Westbrook being that slot receiver and. Uh, Shark being the over-the-top over guy. Um, Shark looks like he took a step forward this past offseason, and so he could be a startable asset um, some weeks. So, But temper expectations after that explosion of a game last week. And then red lights. I already talked about Stills being the third wide receiver there. Again, the Jaguars are a fantastic defense. They built this team around running the ball and the defense. Stills probably isn't going to be involved very much. This is going to hurt James the brain a little bit. Uh, I don't think you can expect that from Chris. Con- the same type of game from Chris Connolly. Uh, this is not the Kansas City Chiefs defense. This is the um, and the Texans aren't aren't great, but they are a lot better than the the uh, Chiefs. So I just don't know if Chris Connolly is going to be much involved. And then Carlos Hyde. It's the Jaguars. Like you can't the the Saints had a good run defense last season i don't know what happened last week uh but i wouldn't expect hyde to be able to run on the jaguars like he ran on the saints so he's definitely a red light for me this week any objections there brian I have none, Stomp. I'm I'm with you on pretty much
1: all of those. I do agree that Minshew, what he did in his and and I think we need to say it over again, you know, what he did coming off the bench cold in his first NFL game as a rookie. I mean, eighty-eight percent of his passes completed for for almost three hundred yards, like two hundred and seventy some yards. Um that's pretty darn impressive. I mean, if I'm if I'm part of that Jags, if, if I'm Nick Foles, I'm nervous, and if I'm if I'm the Jags front office, I'm looking at this kid like, geez. Um, and, and again, I know it's only one one game and one week, and it was right. against a week a week secondary, but still, I mean, I, I, w- I want to give the kid his his props there.
0: Um, by the way, I, DeAndre Hopkins had the questionable tag because of ribs. I would not expect that to hold him out this week at all. So no worries there for me. All right, Brian, we are on to the Chiefs versus the at the Raiders. What do you got? Yeah,
1: bro? yeah, we have a lot of green lights here. Um, I like this game this week for fantasy producers. Uh, you know, Patrick Mahomes, obviously, uh, Travis Kelsey. Um, I think Sammy Watkins is a green light. Um you know, with, with the target share that he got last week, um, the chiefs targeted receivers 16 times and Watkins had 11 of those 16 targets. So um, by, I like by
0: the way we should bring up that Hill injury. Uh, yes. From our physical therapist, our resident physical therapist here that Hill injury uh, was a posterior SC joint dislocation. And Basically, what Ethan has to say is that um, he, because because he had to go to the he had to go to the emergency room because um, there are important blood vessels that sit behind that SC joint in the chest that could have been compromised by the injury, so that's why they put him or brought him to the hospital. Uh, the team it says they they expect him to miss around four to six weeks, could be longer, um, but. Hold on to Hill. Obviously, he's going to be out for an extended period of time, probably half the season. So for I, I would I would guess probably eight ish weeks. So until then, Sammy Watkins steps into that wide receiver one role, and we've seen what that role equals for Sammy Watkins with
3: Patrick Mahomes.
1: Yeah, and and he looked good too. I mean, he looked like old Sammy Watkins. That was the first time he's looked like that in a couple of years, in my opinion. I mean, he looked explosive. I, I know on the first touchdown, I mean, he caught the ball and basically turned around and just, I mean, just took off and it was, and he was gone. Like there was nobody catching him. So he he looks explosive. Um, and he looked very good in this game uh, against the Jags uh, again, and like you mentioned, against a good Jag secondary too. So, um, I I, I like. Watkins moving forward um and and this week in particular um again Mahomes and Kelsey on the Raiders side um I think uh, you know I I think I'm probably confident starting Derek Carr in this game uh I, I think he's a green light um based on his performance against Denver this past week and also that Chiefs secondary um throwing the ball to Tyrell Williams and Darren Waller. Um, both of those guys I think are are going to be big weapons in that offense. Um catching the football and then also green-lighted is Josh Jacobs. I mean the kid had 23 carries and I I you know I was a I was a little bit hesitant, you know, everybody was talking about Gruden and his historically with Cadillac Williams in Tampa and giving him all the work and all that stuff. Uh, and that they anticipated that for Josh Jacobs, I was a little bit hesitant um, to buy into that, but boy, he looked good on on Monday night. Um, and it does sound like they're they're gonna feature him. They're gonna make him, you know, a, a huge part of that offense. Give him the ball. Um, the only thing that concerns me about him in this game is it's gonna be a shootout. Um, if 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 the Raiders are competitive, it's gonna be a shootout. So you know does he come out on the passing downs I'm not sure I didn't actually get a chance to watch that game uh too much uh on Monday yeah, night
0: I didn't I it's good it's a good thing because it was <laughs> I'm sure John appreciated not having to watch it either
1: yeah yeah we were oh, that's exactly what we were doing yeah we were doing but, the show there, but, but on
0: yeah. that on that Jalen Rashard only had one target I don't know what his snap share was but Jalen Rashard did not exist in that game and Again, not going to try and react to week one, but Josh Jacobs had ton of volume. Yeah. And Josh Jacobs can catch the ball. Yep. So we'll see what it is with Kansas City, but Jalen Machard might not be a thing.
1: Yep. Yeah. Yeah, um and and, and like I said I, I I like the way that J- Jacobs looked uh in that game running the ball. So um and then as far as yellow lights, I have both of the Kansas City running backs on here, and I know that's probably gonna uh that's probably gonna get under your skin a little, Sam, but um Damian Williams and LaShawn McCoy have his yellow lights. I think you can start especially Williams. Um I just I don't know what to think about this pairing moving forward. You know, I, I think McCoy running the ball looked maybe – I mean, he looked better than Williams looked in week one. Now, Damian Williams, he he caught – I think he caught the touchdown. Um, he, and he, he had, had
0: five to, and six targets. Right. McCoy had one target, but McCoy did look – he looked fantastic running the ball, so –
1: Yeah, and I and and you know if it was a different coach that didn't have the history with Lashawn McCoy, uh, you know Andy Reid loves Shady, he loves him, and he he I think part of the reason he brought him in there is because he knows the offense, he knows what you know Reid knows what Shady's capable of in that offense, even if he's not the same player he was. I think he's confident in McCoy, Um, so I just it's it's not that I don't like Damian Williams, you know, or Shady for that matter. I just I think that's going to be more of a timeshare moving forward. And week to week, I just don't know which back is going to be the one to to have. So um, that's why I have them as yellow lights. Um, and then as far as red lights go, I'm not starting Miko Hardman in this game. Um, I, you know, he had one target in the first game there. And I know Tyreek, you know, he went out of the game, but he I'm not sure exactly when he went out of that game. It's like mid second quarter, wasn't it? yeah i believe so so um you know i i i don't i think if you're going to play a wide receiver that isn't sammy watkins in this game for the chiefs i think it's got to be robinson um and and you know I, i i just he he four of i think four of the last five games he had a touchdown last year um he also wasn't targeted in the jags game uh You know, like I said, the receivers, other than Sammy Watkins, the receivers really weren't targeted at all. Tyreek only had two targets. Robinson had two targets, and Hardman had one. And that was it for the wide receivers. Kelsey and the running backs were where the other targets came in uh, in the game. So I I just don't, you know, could he catch a 65-yard touchdown pass and score a touchdown? Absolutely. He could also be targeted one time in this game um and and not produce a stat line. So I, I'm staying away from him this week. Um yep. that doesn't mean I'm staying away from him moving forward. Uh but this week in particular, I just if I have somebody else to start, I'd probably start
0: them over Hardman. I agree with that. Yeah. I mean Micole could very well step into that Tyree Kill um Tyreek Hill role, but I am not Going to take a chance this week until he, he show or he he gets a significant portion of those snaps. Um, my only argument for Damian Williams over McCoy is, and I, I can't remember who I think it might have been Scott Barrett said that running back targets are like two point eight times more valuable than than rushes. And from what we saw last week, Damian Williams is the pass catcher. He caught five or six targets. So while I do think. It's probably more of a timeshare and credit where credit's due. I, I, McCoy looked great. It is more of a timeshare than I thought. I do think that Williams will be more valuable going forward because of the pass catching. Um, and then the other aspect is McCoy has not been healthy the last couple of seasons, I believe. And it at any time, I mean, <laughs> we, we're saying the. It's always funny to me that talk about players' ages when we're older than, and then most of these players we're talking about. (laughs) Right. Um, But Sean McCoy is getting up there in age for a running back and uh, he very well could go down with an injury and Damian Williams becomes a top five running back like that. So, I mean, it is a timeshare for now, but just be wary of LaShawn McCoy going forward. I know we've run a little long here, but this is our last game. I don't care. John, I'm doing what I want, John. <laughs> um Bears at Broncos. I I almost put green light nobody and red light everybody, uh but I, I that wouldn't be good analysis. Um so I'll, I'll break it down a little bit. I think Allen Robinson has a green light. Um Isaac Yadam got torched last week. By Tyrell Williams. I mean, torched last week by Tyrell Williams and Darren Waller. Like He just got destroyed. And unfortunately, um, the Broncos are missing Bryce Callahan. He had foot surgery this offseason. It got stepped on in training camp, and he hasn't been really practicing since. And if he was the cornerback two there, I would be more wary but Yadam just – he looked terrible last week. And I think the Bears and hopefully Nagy will take advantage of that. And I think Allen Robinson – I mean, he looked fantastic last week in an abysmal offensive game. So he was like the lone bright spot for the the Bears. So I, I think Allen Robinson's a good to go for a, for a start. Yellow light um, – I actually put Burton on here, but our – uh. He, he, our physical therapist here, Ethan Turner, uh, says that he may not be good to go with that groin this week, and he would be avoiding him anyway because it is a soft tissue injury, and you never know if he's going to re-injure that again. Um, so it's Shaheen. I don't know how much more effective Shaheen is than uh, – than. Um, wow. What time is it? 9.29. Okay uh what's his name burton (laughs) how much more effective uh shaheen is than burton um but shaheen's a yellow light here the darren waller did could did take advantage last week but darren waller's more of a big wide receiver than a tight end uh so that's a little bit different um mitch trubisky is a yellow light as well. He looked atrocious last week, but so did the Broncos' run defense. Guess who didn't get one quarterback hit last week? The combo of Von Miller and Bradley Chubb. Arguably the scariest pass rush duo in the league did not get a hit on Derek Carr last week. So that doesn't bode well but the Bears' offensive line is worse than the Raiders' offensive line, so I wouldn't expect that to be the case moving forward. Uh, Trubisky's got the running capabilities as well, so he's a yellow light. I don't love him as a start, but in super flex, he's an okay QB two. There, there are better options out there. I know for me, I am starting Andy Dalton over Trubisky this week. Uh, Phillip Lindsay, just because of his ability to catch the ball is a yellow light, this Bears defense is the best in the league. They shut down Aaron Jones last week. They shut down running backs all of last season. This defense is basically an avoid for everybody, unless like it's an elite player. But even then it's just like, well, I don't love that. Um, uh, Cortland Sutton looked fantastic last week. Um, He took a huge step uh, last week and he's a yellow light for me. Again, bad matchup, but if Cortland Sutton's going to get targets like that across the field and he's going to convert them, may as well start him. Um, he, he His ceiling definitely isn't there against the Bears. Uh, Emmanuel Sanders, same thing. He looked good at times last week. He looked good in the preseason, but Bears. Uh, Tariq Cohen, he had eight receptions for 49 yards last week. Um, and, and that will transition me into Anthony Miller here in a second. But Cohen played 40 snaps from the slot last week. So he's going to have a floor, a a PPR floor here because of what Matt Nagy wants to do with Tariq Cohen and probably playing 21 personnel a decent amount with the three running backs that he has. Uh, so Tariq Cohen's kind of a, it, it, it he's not going to have the ceiling, but he definitely has that PPR floor Um so we'll see, we'll see what those linebackers can do against Tariq Cohen. Uh, so he is a yellow light this week. Red lights, like I mentioned, Anthony Miller played six, 16 snaps last week. And again, Tariq Cohen was in there for 40 snaps just in the slot alone. So I don't know what's going on there. I don't know if Nagy was just getting too cute last week because that offense did not look good. But if Cohen's going to be playing from the slot, that – that limits Anthony Miller, a significant amount, uh, Joe Flacco, uh, LOL bears. That's, that's all I have to say here. (laughs) I mean, it's just that front seven is fantastic. Joe Flacco didn't look good last week against the Raiders. He's not going to look good against the bears. Uh, Royce Freeman, he's not a pass catcher. Again, the bears are very good against running backs and they're going to stop Freeman. I mean, I'm actually saying sit, uh, Mike Davis and David Montgomery, a lot of people won't like to hear that. But until that works itself out, I'm not touching that with a 10-foot pole. I would rather – I Cohen's the one to start of the running backs right now because Cohen has a defined role. Davis and Montgomery do not have defined roles. Um, I get it. People think Montgomery's fantastic. I think Davis looked just as good as Montgomery last week. Um, but until one of those two pulls ahead, I'm not starting either of those. And then Noah Fant, you have to sit as well because that the, that bears um, the safeties and the linebackers are very good in coverage.
1: So uh, this isn't start-sit related, but I do have a question about Fant for you, yeah, the Broncos fan. So, um, and obviously it's early, right? Again, week one of their rookie season, right? So, but when you compare... Noah Fant and how he's looked in the preseason um, and and in week 1 versus what TJ Hawkinson has done what are what are your feelings there do you have any strong thoughts on those two guys just I'm just curious about your thoughts cuz I I liked both of those kids coming out of school um, similar yet very different skill sets too you know the, the um, I guess that doesn't make any sense <laughs> but but both of them I think were were showed the ability to catch the ball and create yards after the catch in college. Um, what do you think the, what, what do you think the difference is right now in terms of the the production, just pure opportunity or quarterback or combination? Well, it's or definitely
0: the- quarterback. It's definitely offense. Um, the, I think the one concern with TJ Hawkinson was his usage because a lot of people that thought they were going to be super run heavy. So he's not going to be involved too much in the, passing game he's just going to be in there to block Mm -hmm. that was not the case last week and that might have been just because it was the Cardinals but it seems like they want to use Hawkinson and Hawkinson because he can be on the field all the time is extremely valuable because they don't know if he's in there to block they don't know if he's going to be running routes he's a fantastic athlete he's got fantastic hands and we saw that last week no Fant was a lot more raw than TJ Hawkinson. He was more of the athlete.
1: Athlete, right.
0: But Hawkinson was more of the better, or he, Hawkinson was the better football player. Um, and then now, like, things have shifted for us because the the Broncos offense looked terrible and the Detroit Lions offense looked very good. Um, and the roles of Fant and Hawkinson were very different, I suppose. And I don't know if it's because of how good the offenses are or not, but I would expect Hawkins. I, I would take Hawkinson right now over Fant. I think Fant will be fine in the future. Mm-hmm. I just don't know what this offense is right now with Joe Flacco. He might be – in and so next year maybe, maybe Fant might be one of those Gasecki by lows mm-hmm. um, where he's just going to have an abysmal rookie season because of the offense he's in but then once he gets outside of Joe Flacco, he could definitely develop into a a, a very good football player.
1: Cool. Cool. Yeah. I appreciate that. I was, uh, I was just interested in that. So,
0: all right. So that will do it for Brian and I here. That was your start sits part one, the AFC. Uh, be sure to tune in tomorrow for your start sits part two, the NFC with James, the brain and John McGlynn, um, Remember to follow me at FF Stompy. Follow Brian Haar at Brian Haar FF. Follow the show at Superflex Show on Twitter. And then then subscribe to the podcast. Again, we are doing five times a week, including a live show on Wednesdays for your start, sit questions, for your trade questions, any questions you have. Um, We are trying to put out as much knowledge as possible, uh, trying to give you as much uh, information as possible throughout the week five times a week so yeah give us a follow on twitter at superflex show Uh, subscribe to the superflex super show podcast wherever you listen to podcasts and we will continue to provide information five times a week throughout the season thanks for listening